Three, two, one. Oh, I forgot to clap. Evan. <laughs> just keep it going, and we'll just do a new clap. Count it again. Three, two, one. You got some straining. You got some straining to do. You got some. You got some. Come on, let's do now. Hello and welcome to Splainin', a podcast where two guys explain things to each other that they should know, but don't. I'm Evan Smith. And I'm Jeff Sims. Welcome to episode two. It almost feels like episode 1.5 because episode one actually hasn't launched yet. (laughs) Yeah, we're almost there. We're actually launching tomorrow. It's very exciting. It's very exciting, which would have been last week and one day for you. Yes, we're in alternate timelines. Ultimate al- alternate time zones. Oh, as you will soon Ooh. find out. Well, you will have find or out. Or is this deja vu? Jeff, it's full circle. Full circle. Actually, hopefully, you listened to last week's episode and you know that this was this is not deja vu. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. I mean, I am now aware that it isn't. No, and I haven't had deja vu since. I don't know if that means anything. But well, it, well, I guess not. If I mean, if I was calling things deja vu that weren't deja vu, obviously I'm going to have it less frequently because I'll now know what it was. I wonder if it's also something that it's a little bit more subconscious. So, like, if you're aware of it, it's not going to happen, like a twitch or like something strange that, like, once you become aware of it, it stops happening. My twitch has happened whether I'm aware of them or not. Like, if my if I'm tired and my eye is twitching, that sucker mm-hmm. goes off. It doesn't matter. I'm she like, goes off. I I know you're going. And it's like. <laughs> <laughs> It's so what are you weird. Doing by Evan? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you it's doing? It's one of my least what favorite doing things. <laughs> what are you doing? How are you getting on? Everybody thinks I'm just winking on? at them. Yeah. How was your powder? I'm not, not bad, boy. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that friendly. No. No. Um, so I wanted to say something to you um, earlier when we were talking on the phone and getting ready, but I was like, nope, save it for the podcast. Um, I just saw an article. This is relevant to the two of us as we are people who work in theater. Um, I just mm-hmm. saw an article that Mervish and Stratford have both announced they are not, definitely not reopening until 2021. Wow. So that is scary. That is very scary. Yeah. What did they, uh, did they say they're starting a brand new season or are they picking up where they left off? I think they're pushing, I didn't, I only just skimmed it, but um, I think they're just pushing their 2020 season into the next year. Um, yeah. They did. Mervish did say they might continue the Canadian run of Come From Away starting um, in the fall, but I think that's a smaller house. I'm not sure. I don't know what the theater size is. I don't know either. Anyway, that's such a perfect show, though, to keep um, to keep running, like in these strange times. Not to keep running, but to yeah, yeah. open back up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it is. Oh, it's so unfortunate. I know it's scary. That's then they did say like smaller theaters may open sooner. Like you know, a fifty seat theater will definitely open sooner mm-hmm. than a thousand seat theater. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's scary for um, my work life for sure. Yeah, there's um, <clears throat> there was an article I read where they did a bunch of studies like for Cineplex and all these like AMC, all the major. Is it AMC? Yeah, the, like the right. major theater. AMC is the TV network, but I don't know if it's the theater, like the movie theater company. I think it is. I can't American help movie you. company. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> I don't know. Who's to say? But they um, apparently there was an article put out for that and live theater where they did a study and they asked people how likely they would be to go to a theater. Like, let's say they closed the pandemic or closed it or they, they, the pandemic ended mm. and all of the physical distancing rules and stuff like that, you know, diminished and life started going back to normal. How likely would they be to go to a movie, to go to a theater, to see a show and to go on a plane? Right. And all of them were like, within one month, they wouldn't go near it. Within three months, they wouldn't go near it. Within six months, they'd consider it. Within nine wow. months, they would. Within a year, they would. So like... Let's say the world goes back to normal today. How yeah. likely are you to go sit in the Arts and Culture Center with a thousand other people? I mean, I think it depends. If, if it happened today, obviously it would be a while. But I think it depends on how long the regulations stretch out. Like if they stretch out so long to the point where you're like, okay, well, now that the government is finally saying it's okay, I know it's okay because they've waited so long. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be like, okay, then it's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean... It's going to be... Ch- oh, I don't know what that was, but I'm just going to wait to see if I hear crying. Nope, good. Children are fine. Um, but uh, did you hear that thump? I heard that thump. It was a big thump. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think 
Lord die at what is happening up there. What is going on up there? They're getting I, rotted now because the theaters aren't opening up. <laughs> so Harrison was like, we're going to have a trip to New York. Uh, I had a trip booked to New York. Mm. I know. I was going to see Cry. Hades Town. Yep. And I was going to see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. That's the biggest casualty, actually, is the Cursed Child. I've been wanting to see that for so long. Ugh. Yeah, our five-year anniversary, I had it booked. We were going to go to New York for two nights and just, like, go ham. And, I mean, that's not happening. Wait, were you going to see both Cursed Childs in the same evening? Same, yeah, a, a matinee and evening. Wow, that is perfect. I know. See it in the day, talk about it, discuss it, and get hyped for part two. Meanwhile, I had ah. to second mortgage my house in order to afford the tickets. Yes, now oh. you got it deferred now, and you can't go near it again. Yeah, I mean, I did buy the insurance, because I was like, I have to, got to buy the insurance. Yeah. Anyway, who knows, Jeff? It's dark, dark it's times. To, it's enough to break your heart. It's enough to break your heart. Uh, should we uh, get started on the content portion of the episode? Why not? Okay. Let's dive on in. What okay. do you think? Um, well, I, uh, did I start last time or did you start last time? I think you started last time. Uh, You're right. I did. I think you started okay, last you start. time. Me? Yes. Well, now I'm nervous. Are you? Okay. A little bit. Okay. So, <clears throat> Evans topic today or something that he wanted to explain to, to him uh, are bitcoins what are bitcoins and it's a really interesting thing actually because for the last like well i mean at least the last 12 years or 10 years it's been a pretty big you know it's been a big hype everyone's Is it been 10 or 12 years uh well you're about to find out i the only reason i knew they existed i think i found out way later because one thing I do know, it's like something to do, it's similar to stocks, which I also don't really get, but I know it's similar to stocks and like people who got in on the ground floor made a bit of money, but same thing with everything. Um, or that's what I think. But the reason I found out that they existed is because when I used to play the fifth ticket before it closed and changed its name to something else and stopped doing stuff, um, yep. they had a Bitcoin machine and one, and one week they didn't. And the next week they did. So I went in to play like whatever week, whatever night I was normally playing. And I was like, Hey, what's that thing? And Stephanie, one of the waitresses, was like, oh, that's the Bitcoin machine. I was like, okay, what's the Bitcoin machine? And she didn't explain it well because I couldn't tell you what it was. But it's like virtual money. Virtual money. Like, you're, you're not far off with that explanation of virtual money. Um, I'll give you the definition, and then I'll tell you a little bit about it. What do you think? So first off, is that what you think it is? Yeah, Just I think it's money? like something to do with, like, it's similar to stocks in that the, the currency of it changes. But what I... Didn't I don't like you know? There's no stock machine at a restaurant, so I knew it was different mm. than that. Like you can't go buy stocks yeah. in RBC at a, at a restaurant. So why is there a Bitcoin? That'd be hilarious machine? if you could, right? Yeah. So I will go through a little bit with you. You're on the right track, kind of. Um, it's it's a little bit less in terms of like like actual stock or like a mutual fund or anything like that, like any sort of uh, I guess marketable thing. Um, but first. Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. It is a decentralized digital currency without a central bank or single administrator that can be sent from user to user on the peer-to-peer -peer Bitcoin network without the need for intermediaries. Ah, so is that what's different from the stock market? Well, let's ignore the stock market because <laughs> okay. it actually, like, it's, it, it works the same as the stock market because people can trade it and can make money. But that's right. the only thing. Right. Like, Bitcoin I, is not a company that you buy shares in. That's not yes, what it is. right. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I keep comparing it to the stock market, and yet I also don't understand the stock market, so it doesn't <laughs> matter. So Maybe that'll be the next episode. I'll stop bringing it up. You go on. Yeah. Uh, so before I go any further, I do want to put a big shout-out to the YouTube channel 99Bitcoins. And it's, uh, 99 it's hosted by... 99Bitcoins. Made lots sucks. of money. <laughs> 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 funny it's uh it's hosted by nate martin uh that dude is a wealth of information he has like a dozen videos just on bitcoins that's all his channel is, is just talking about bitcoins and every tuesday he puts out a video <laughs> it's it's amazing actually it's it's and it's uh for anybody who doesn't understand it at all it just keeps it super simple big shout out to that guy because he taught me a lot um, and by a lot i mean the little that i know for this episode right um so before I dive in and tell you exactly more about Bitcoins, let's take a little trip to the past, shall oh, we? Oh, back yeah. to the future? Let's, back to the future. Let's hop on the magic school bus now and go for a dart down the road. Okay. Um, so let's talk about what money is. 
and we'll start there. <laughs> okay. It sounds funny, but it's important to understand how or what Bitcoin is. Right. Um, because all, all Bitcoin is is a cryptocurrency. It's a currency and means of trade, uh, but it's done through the internet. When you so, say crypto, do you just mean like not tangible? Like it's an internet thing? It is, yeah. So it's like in, embedded in code. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So it's like 00100011. Zero, 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 one, one. Zero zero one zero 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 one one. I'm a computer. <laughs> I thought you were. I thought you were being the emperor from Star Wars, and you were just speaking in code. Do it. Zero. Do it then again. Zero zero one. Do it. <laughs> Join the dark side. <laughs> Buy Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> Great. That's how they got the empire, right? That's how the uh, the republic that rose fall. What did the republic do? Well, the Republic fell. Fell, yeah. Yeah. Because of Emperor Palpatine? I got to rewatch Star yes. Wars desperately. Buddy, you got to watch Star Wars. Yes, yeah, it's, the fall, it's the fall of the Republic. It's the fall of democracy and turned into a dictatorship. And, and this huge empire was created under right. power and fear. Yeah, okay. I have to watch it now that I understand more about governments. The last time I watched episode one, two, and three was a while ago. <sighs> a while. No, it's really good, actually. Um, but that's another topic. We'll, we'll be here all day. Yes. Um, but... Money is a means of trade. Okay. Okay. So you trade tender for service. So for instance, uh, like if somebody wanted specific foods or products or services, back in the day, that's what they used to do. So if you're really good at fishing and I'm really good at making bread, at the end of a work day, you'd come and bring me fish and I would trade it for bread. It's just yeah. a means for trade. Mm -hmm. uh, after a while, you know, it started becoming into for services as well. It's, hey, my burn is broken. I need you to fix my burn. And they're like, okay, well, I'll do it for 10 fish. Right. Right. Um, eventually, what ended up happening is um, people were not able to trade like there was no value behind some of the trade. So like, for instance, if you came to me and said, well, Jeff, I have your 10 fish today. And I say, well, I have your 10 loaves of bread. You say, well, you know what? I actually don't need bread anymore. You know, Tiff went and learned how to make bread. So I don't need bread no more. Well, so yeah. now I'm like, I'm going shit. So how shit. do I, how do I trade you a means of trade to, in order to show value for what you did? What a shysty thing to do. Be like, I, the, the one thing I trade is fish for bread and I'm going to, Double cross the guy who trades me bread by telling my wife to learn how to make bread. It's like now Honest I've got a God. capital on the market. I've got fish and bread. <laughs> so eventually, what happened is things like rice, wheat, essential metals, and gold in particular became value pieces and they became mediums for trade. Mm. So it's value for value. So instead of being like, I only have bread, and if you don't want bread, then I'm not getting what you're selling, it's okay, well, you know what? Rice. Or wheat or essential <laughs> metals. Rice. Like, don't make me count it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I want twelve pieces of rice. <laughs> now That's is that is that the three thousand pieces I ordered or uh, one second. <laughs> Karen <laughs> Count it. Count the rice. Um but essential metals and gold. Okay, became essential, uh, I guess, values and mediums for trade. Hmm. So they always had value. So if, if you went and built my deck and I could give you gold and you knew that even though you didn't need gold necessarily, that you could take that gold and trade it with somebody else because right. it was an essential. Right, means, yeah. Right? The, Same the, thing with... You can't do anything else with that gold. You're not going to go build something out of gold. You're going to go, okay, this gold now is something I can give hmm. somebody else who wants gold. Yeah, exactly, right? So gold became... Uh, an essential value, essential metals as well, and then like a lot of like food, like wheat and rice and stuff. Mm. Um, so, long story short, it became obviously cumbersome to carrying around blocks of gold with you everywhere. <laughs> um, so, what happened was, is the banks and the government decided that hey, we're, let us hold on to that gold for you, and to show you that you have gold with us, we're going to give you a receipt, mm. right, a draft receipt. Which is which are bills, which is legal tender, saying, "Hey, you have ten pieces of gold, or you have a thousand pieces of gold, or whatever the value is," and then that's kind of how they did it. And if you wanted your gold back, you simply took the tender back, and you would get your gold. And that's what they did for the longest time. Uh, eventually, what ended up happening is is the relationship or the bond for the tender money, like the paper, the bills, mm. and the gold itself, became broken. Somewhere down the line, and I think there's a long, long, it's like 120 years, it kind of slowly diminished and slowly diminished that people stopped actually caring to see if the bank had the gold that they had in there and the coin and stuff. And 
what they ended up doing is they shifted our currency from trading blocks of gold to just trading those paper bills to just having those certificates saying, hey, listen, I have stuff at the bank and that's how we did our trade. So services, food and stuff like that. And that's kind of the, um, the banking system that we have today. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, I think so. I just realized I'm really bad when people are explaining things to me. Like sometimes a few Why? seconds will go by and I'll forget that I was supposed to be listening. Like I'm just listening. That was the <laughs> rudest thing you have ever I know, said but to me. I was just being honest. Like, I'm sitting here listening to you. I'm enjoying the sound of your voice. I'm watching you speak. I'm not like texting around my phone. Like I'm clearly engaged, but sometimes I forget to flick the part of my brain that goes, oh no, actively listen. Like you have to be able to, and this is why I don't know things, I guess, is because people will tell me things and I won't be able to retain them because I didn't properly listen. I think all of our listeners need to not listen to Evan. You need to listen to me. I am important. I have important things to say. No, Rude. I'm not denying that. I agree. I'm saying they should listen to me. They should flick on their active switch, mm -hmm. which I failed to do for a couple seconds during that. But it's fine. I do understand. The only thing I don't get is what happened to the gold? Uh, I think a lot of, I think it's like in vaults and stuff like that. I, I think, I, I don't think I have that answer. Because like, I didn't think it was important for me to talk about it. No, I mean, I it's not. But ask. like hypothetically, like, Everybody's got their gold. It's in the bank. We've got these bills now that the bank gave us to use. And then the yep. bank is like, you know what, guys? Don't worry about that gold anymore. Just keep the bills. So, like, mm -hmm. does the bank just keep the gold? I'll, I'll tell you kind of where the issue lies right now, and I'm just about to get into it. So, before it was value for value. So, like, food for food, product for product, service for service, right? Then it became value for money or money for value, which is gold for paper. Right. Okay? Then the system changed to money for trust. And that's where it gets super, super important right now, is that instead of us having something valuable and tangible like the gold, that we can say, you know what, I don't want this paper, I want my gold back, so money for value, mm. they turned it into trust, where the government and the bank said, we are forgetting the gold, but your tender is going to be valuable because we said it is. Oh. And so it's trust. Instead of trusting something, you're trusting someone and saying that your government, your entity, the banks, are backing the value of these pieces of paper that are signed and printed. I see. Because previously, the pieces of paper were just like, listen, man, I got gold. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. and, the, yep. and the piece of paper was proof you have gold. And now it's like, let's just trade the paper. And the exactly. fact that we have this paper means the bank is is endorsing is honoring from, honoring yeah exactly yeah yeah and that's all it is and that's what they call uh fiat or fiat money which is um latin for by decree so it simply oh. has value because the government says it does that is it so at any given point the government can say the canadian dollar no longer has value we are now trading pebbles and now that has value and that is it for instance the two dollar bill yes the penny no longer has value. The government is no longer putting value into that piece of paper. So it's no longer valuable. No one cares about it. It's now mm -hmm. just a piece of loose leaf. Right? Yeah. I mean, it so, won't be because people will like sell that shit on eBay. You know what I mean, though? It's yes. not a legal tender. You can't no. go to Costco and be like, I want a bag of chicken now for 100 pennies. No. No. But you do, you do understand that, right? Yes. Cool. So with that... Uh, you have, like I said, fiat or fiat money, uh, um, tender. So it's going by that. So the reason why Bitcoin was created was because of our current banking system. And I feel like I needed to explain kind of how we got there so you understand why Bitcoin was created because it's super important. All right. So the three major things, like I said, the reason why Bitcoin uh, <clears throat> was created was founded by the centralized banks, unlimited uh, usage and tender and control over the banking system. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by centralized is that there's only one entity controlling the actual banking system and our currencies, right? So like the banks or the governments, they're the only ones who have control over it. They're the only ones who can see the ledgers, the trades, the bookings, the accounts. Like you can't go in and look at my account, right? You can't go up and look at other trades and other like, you know, denominations and stuff like that the only people who have control over the ledgers are the banks and the government and so with that there's a thing called double spend 
So you know how all of our money right now is digital in the sense of like you can go and look at your account in RBC and see how much money you have and you can send you an e-transfer. Or how much money I don't have. Yeah, see how much money I owe RBC. <laughs> um, so you can act, since it's all digital, the question comes up and says, well, what's stopping me from hacking into it and just changing the number? Right? Since it's all just digital, like what's, you know what I mean? A vast knowledge of computer skills. <laughs> well, that's what's, <laughs> that's, what, that's what's stopping me. <laughs> also a moral compass. A moral compass. Well, some people have no moral compass and a plethora of, of information on how to hack stuff. Right. Yeah. So they, what's stopping them? So the centralized banks, because they are one entity, they're able to control it. They're able to stop hackers. They're able to do those kinds of things, mm. right? Because if you give control to too many people, the idea is is that you can do the double spend. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Too many cooks in the kitchen. And one of the cooks goes, oh, yes, Johnny, you just go change that. Add a couple zeros to that. That That's not a problem at all. Yes, you go on. Throw more fish in the pot. Don't worry. My wife knows how to make bread. That's just... Um, and the other, the other thing is, since they are the only ones who have access to the ledgers, it's kind of hard to uh, see if there's validity to trade, see if they're being honest. It's the, it's the constant co- uh, concept of corruption, right? With all the power, there's, there's going to come corruption, right? right. Um, so that's the centralization of the banks. Then there's the unlimited. And what I mean by that is that at any given point, it's happened so many times, the banks and the governments can say, we need, a, uh, we need to print more money. Right. So what they do is they just go and print more money and to print more money. What that does is it decreases the value of your current dollar. Right. So you're obviously always seeing the the value of dollars going up and down and left and right and everything like that. It's not because the price of goods are changing. Well, they change with the inflation, but it's because we're printing more money. So these huge, huge bailouts that are happening, this seven hundred billion dollar bailout back in 2008, all that did was they just printed seven hundred billion dollars and just gave it to people. So it, it put too many fish in the ocean and decreased the value of the money, right? What? Like, right. You didn't know that? I had no idea why the price of money. I thought it was something to do with, like, the countries. Oh, yes. It, it, it does have something to do with, like, the gross domestic product, like that, in terms of how the country is actually doing. But a lot of times when you see a dollar value decrease or the buying power decrease or, like, a mass inflation then what ends up happening is is that it's because they're taking all this money and they're reprinting it and they're putting it back into the system they try to do it as least amount as possible but it happens so many times like in 2008 there was a big bailout there's bailouts happening today like all the major airlines are asking for bailouts big corporations small businesses because of COVID 19 what we're going to do is we are going to diminish our economy by reprinting to bail out so they just make money from nothing well from trees no 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 i know that but i mean like they're just like where where once there was no money now there are 700 billion dollars and we yep. because we give this value we say this 700 billion dollars is as value as is as valued as your 700 million dollars so here you go yep that's crazy yep so okay. Because they can do that, at any given point, they can just say, no, we're printing another $800 billion, so now your money's useless again. So there's no tap. There's no like tangible thing that says this paper is worth anything. It's just their word. Right. At any given time, their word can say, nope, it's not worth that because we're doing this. So they have unlimited capacity to just devalue the money by printing more, and they're doing it all the time. Okay. Third reason is control. Uh, so control over your accounts, over everything like that. There's large, large legislations. So like think of trying to buy a house, mm. right? And you go to try to get your down payment. You have to prove where that money came from in terms of the down payment that didn't come from a loan. It didn't come from this. You had to have the money in account for six months and blah, 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 blah. There's all these legislations and rules on where the money has to come from, how it has to sit into accounts. There's all these rules and control. You actually have no control over it. Yeah. And more importantly, at any given point, I mean, obviously, there's laws and rules about this. But at any given point, the government and the banks can freeze your accounts mm-hmm. and just say, you're done. We're done. If you become a criminal, for instance, uh, they can say, or you're a suspected criminal, they can just freeze your accounts. That's it. You can't use your credit card, can't use all the money, can't use anything. Just freeze it. You're done. So you have no control over it. So at any given point, they go, yeah. nothing. Now, there's obviously rights. 
that are protecting us from them just doing it willy-nilly. But at the end of the day, we do not have control. It's all them. So those are the three reasons why Bitcoin was created. Okay. Okay. So, So in October 2008, there was a document posted onto the interweb, and it was said to be posted by Satoshi Nakamoto. The reason why it is said to be is because it is believed that it was made by a bunch of people, but they took under the name Satoshi Nakamoto. Oh. Okay, it could have been one person. It could have right. been a bunch of people. It's, it's really speculated. Okay. Uh, but they created a document called Bitcoin, a pair-to-pair electronic cash system. And it was this huge document explaining what they were going to do and how the system could change. And then by 2009, the official site was up and the currency began. Okay? Okay. So... It was a document and it was a solution that was able to solve the double spend problem without it being centralized. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was finite in terms of the amount of Bitcoin so that the actual value could not be, uh, I guess, reproduced and diminished by like that unlimited flow of reprinting money. Okay. And you had complete control. Wait, why, why can't it be there's a finite amount of Bitcoin? Yeah, uh, there and they, is. And they can't make more. They're, they're saying they're not making more. I see. They could if they wanted because it's still imaginary. But they're like, nope, this is how much there is. So it's yeah, the value they're doesn't saying, change. Exactly. They're saying there's going to be 21 million Bitcoins in circulation. That is it. As of last time I checked, there's currently 17.3 million in circulation today. Meaning that there's some that just Two, aren't bought? I'll I'll explain it. Oh. So the the Bitcoin itself, like this is also like this could take forever for us to explain like the deep ends of Bitcoin and kind of how it works. But essentially what it is, it's a means of trade, but it's all done digitally. So technically the same way as I could look at you and say, Hey, I want to fish for a piece of bread, mm. I could say, I want a bread, but I'm gonna give you a Bitcoin. Okay. And you can take that Bitcoin and then do what you want with it. Right? Same thing as money, it's tender. But it's a currency over the internet. And there are places today that are accepting Bitcoin. Like uh, you can book planes and hotels using Bitcoin. You can buy. There's a lot of different companies that are doing online purchases using Bitcoins. So slowly, a lot of major corporations and entities are accepting Bitcoin as legal tender. But right? I'm sure you're going to explain this. But, how, but if I say I spend my Bitcoin, mm-hmm. did I buy my Bitcoin for cash dollars? Yes. So there's there's a couple of things you can do to get Bitcoin. Okay. Okay. So this is where you're getting confused with the stock portion of it. Okay. Is that you can go on these sites and you can buy Bitcoin from people. Right. Right. You can say, hey, I like right now, on average, the average cost, I think it's US dollar for one Bitcoin is about $10,000, give or take. One Bitcoin. Lord dying. Okay. I, yeah. To put it in perspective... Back in, uh, I don't know, have a year, but um, yeah, sorry, back in 2010, so like 10 years ago, a guy went on the website, so the site had been open for a year, and he begged someone to sell him two pizzas for 10,000 Bitcoins. Wow. And someone did it. So they had 10,000 Bitcoins. That is worth $100 million today. So you know how you said people getting in at the ground level? Yeah. Imagine being one of those people who happened to get like, 10,000 Bitcoins so or 100,000 Are, are there people who are like were nuttings and now are grossly wealthy? Yeah. Just because of Bitcoin? Yeah. I know somebody who um, got into a cryptocurrency. It wasn't Bitcoin, but it was another cryptocurrency that same thing got in super early and came out with like 500 grand. But uh, but that's uh, hang on. But that's if the value of it doesn't change. Like, did they just sell their Bitcoin then to get the 500 grand or did they keep it? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. So you can keep it and you have X amount of Bitcoins. The same thing as like American to Canadian dollars, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, Bitcoins have spending value. So right. you can spend, like, you can go and buy a house for 15, or like, you know, let's just say for even numbers, 1,000 Bitcoins. And you right. go to the place and they're like, oh, yeah, like, there's a company that will accept 10,000 Bitcoins for a house right. then you can just do that yeah. just buy your house with 10,000 bitcoins or you find somebody who's willing to pay you know physical money 
for your Bitcoins, for that value, because they want Bitcoins for whatever reason, whether it's an investment or for the tender. And then you can just go buy whatever you want. So that's what a lot, that's, that's where you're getting it confused with the stock market is because a lot of people are buying, trading and selling Bitcoins as the market goes up and down. Right. Because the Bitcoin market is the same as any market, is that the money goes up and it goes down, it goes all over the place. So at any given point, you can buy, trade and sell and make a profit. Right. Or not. Right. So there were a lot of people who were in Bitcoin super, super early, made a buttload of money and then traded it and sold it and got actual, well, actual money. Right. And now they're rich from it. Right. So that's where you get in the investment portion. But that people are doing that all the time. The same thing as they're trading like Canadian American dollars. There's people out there that watch the dollar value between Canada and U.S. And they're just funneling money back and forth. And every single time they're getting more and more money here and there. It's the same thing. You're just trading currencies. It's not like buying stocks. No, no, You're no. You're just right. trading money. Right. So the reason why they wanted to get rid of the centralization is because of the control over the ledgers, control over um, the decisions and all that kind of stuff, right? They wanted to get away from centralized banks and from the centralized government system, right? So to do that, what they did is because it's on the internet, anybody who has Bitcoins has access to the ledgers. Everybody, every trade, every account, every balance, everything, everybody has access to it. It's all, it's pseudo anonymous. So like it's all under like coding and stuff like that. So you, like it'll right. never say Evan Smith has 10 Bitcoins. It'll just say right. seven zero zero one zero 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 one has 10,000 Bitcoins, right? right? So it's all pseudo anonymous in terms of like, you know, the usernames and stuff. But it'll always, everybody has access to the ledgers. Everybody has access to the balances. Everybody has access to all the trades and the bookings. Okay? Interesting. So it is... N- it's not centralized. So the reason why they wanted to do it is to try to eliminate the problem of double spending, but to not have a centralized. So because everybody has access to it and it's on this network and everybody is constantly sharing and communicating and, and like uploading the information, it is almost impossible to hack it because you'd have to hack thousands and thousands of computers all at once right. in order to change the ledgers and be like, copy paste. Right? So that's how they eliminated the double spend problem without having it centralized. They gave everybody access to it, but connect, the connectivity of it allowed them to stay up to date. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so that was how they got rid of the centralization. The unlimited portion, like I said, it is finite. There's only, now this is what they're saying now, who's to say in 10 years they'll change it. But right now they're saying there's only 21 million Bitcoins in circulation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or there's going to be. Right now there's 17.3. Right. Okay. Um, the control portion, no government, bank, nobody has control over Bitcoin. So no one can freeze your funds. No one has access to it. It is only you. So it's, it's, it's weird, but it's kind of become this really weird black market entity. But, who's, of but like, the people who started it must somehow have access. The same access as you and I would have access to it. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Nobody has control over it. It is a cryptocurrency. Like, that's the big point of it is that nobody has ultimate control, right? I'm sure the person who created it could shut it all down, like just pull the plug on it, I'm sure. Like, there's some backdoor way to pull the plug. But right. what I'm saying is that when back to, to the freezing your accounts and the government and stuff like that, is that there's no, there's no need for it. They don't, like, there's no legalized means for it. Right. So the bank's, don't have to control it. They don't have to say, "Oh, you're paying. You're putting a down payment on this." Well, blah, 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 blah. that doesn't doesn't matter, right? And it's a little bit unfortunate when you try to take that money from Bitcoin and bring it to legal tender and then use it, because then you have questions of, "Well, where did that money come from?" And then you got to play by the rules of the banks and the governments. But if you're constantly buying stuff on Bitcoin, there's no who cares. If you go like right now, if you walked into the bank with five hundred thousand dollars in cash. And walked up to the teller and said, hey, there's a house down, down Torbay. Here's the money I want it. <laughs> they're going to go, uh, where'd you get that money, bud? Yeah. And they're not going to let you do it. Yeah. But on Bitcoin, if you have X amount of Bitcoins, right, 500 Bitcoins, and someone is willing to sell you that house for 500 Bitcoins, done. There's zero entity. There's zero control. If you become a huge criminal and you get arrested... They can't freeze your, your Bitcoin account. So like any, any wealthy conspiracy theorist is like, I only deal in Bitcoin. The, gov- exactly. the government is corrupt. And 
Exactly. That's it. Well, that's where it came from. They came from this huge corruption and this government and the bank, and they're going to steal all my money and they're going to watch me do everything. So let's create a, a currency that we can all just trade online with one another without their control and without taxes and without like. Oh, there's rules no taxes and, either. Well, there's tax if you bring the money into r- real tender, right? Into the legal system. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Now, this is where, this is where there's two ways you can get Bitcoin. One, by buying, trading, and selling. Yeah. But two, you can mine it. What are you talking I about? Ho, bullshit. I ho. I call I bullshit ho, on this. I ho. I ho. I ho. Nope. You can 100% mine it. I promise. I swear. But like virtual mine? Virtual mine. They call it mining. Um, I don't know why, actually. I ignored that portion of the informative video. But... Actually, it is mining. They, what you can do is because you have this decentralized ledger, somebody has to do it. Somebody has to copy and paste it. Somebody has to do, do the actual work of putting in the ledger and putting in the trades and putting in the accounts. Right? right. Somebody has to upload the information. So what happens is, is that all these computers are together. And they, for lack of better words, they compete in order to get the honor of filling out the ledger. And they call them blocks. Okay, if you earn the block, then you write the ledger, and they pay you in Bitcoin. This, if I didn't know you were telling me things you had researched, I would be like, "This is not true. You're making this up." <laughs> do, you, do you know what we should do? We should have a bullshit button throughout this throughout these podcasts. And if if something sounds absolutely ridiculous, you can just slap the button, just call bullshit. No, I'm calling bullshit on that. That's fake. You made that up. Absolutely. You know what? Anchor actually has um a easy a bunch of most of them are really tacky if I'm being honest, but they have a lot of easy <laughs> sound effects that are like just raring to go post production that you can just throw into your podcast. So I bet they have like a good buzzer one, which we can a good use. buzzer. And what we should do is purposely put in something that's bullshit, <laughs> and then see if the other person can come up with it, and see if they could be like, nope, that's the part that you made up. Because I bet most of the time we'll call bullshit at the wrong time. We'll, I think we'll so. believe the part we made up, and we will not believe something that is actually a fact. Exactly. That's funny. So are you calling bullshit on that? Well, now I know it's true, but it's in true. future, we should try that. Yeah, I think that's actually really funny. Yeah. Um, right, so you, you would mine for Bitcoin, right? So you would compete. If you got the block, you wrote the ledger, and they would pay you in Bitcoin or transaction fees and stuff like that. So you would actually get Bitcoin. So technically speaking, right now, there are still 2.7-ish million Bitcoins left to be mined. Right. Um, but the way they... Um, I don't want to say bid because it's not bid, but the way they fight over these little blocks, it's based on a random generated guess. Is that the the Bitcoin system will generate a math equation, okay? And your computer has to guess what the answer is. It's just a random number. It just guesses a number. If your computer guesses the right number, you win and you get the block and you have to write the ledger and then you get the the bitcoin. And the coolest thing about it is that you have no control over it. It's all your computer. And the way it works is the stronger and the higher processing power that your computer has, the more times you get to guess on the answer. Because they want computers with higher processing powers to write the ledgers cuz it'll do it faster and more efficiently and correctly. As opposed to, you know, Joe Blow sitting there on his iPhone 5S Commodore trying to guess 64. the ledger. <laughs> Commodore 64. The Atari trying to do it. Instead, you have these people who have like thousands and thousands of dollars of computer stuff. And they'll win the auctions or they'll win the question because their computers have more times to guess. Then they will do the ledgers, right? But statistically speaking, even if you have the most expensive computer... Statistically, you're not going to guess it every time because you yeah. could have 10 guesses, but Joe Blow with his Commodore gets yeah. one question. He, he got gets a quarter right. of a guess and he still won. And he still got it, right? Yeah. So cool, hey? So there are people out there who are constantly trying to mine Bitcoin and just get it for free, even though it's not free. But there, and there's a whole like series of videos on whether or not that's actually profitable. Because you look at the cost of the equipment, you look at the cost of your electric bill, because purchasing and operating on Bitcoin uses a lot of electricity, apparently. 
I don't know. What? I listen. It's all in the video, buddy. And so it's 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 this huge equation on whether or not it's actually profitable to mine Bitcoin. But essentially, there's still 2.7 million Bitcoin out there left to be mined, um, to work on. This kind of cool, hey? Is whack. This is not where I thought this was going. Like the whole first part, I was like, yeah, okay, money, money, money system, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then once you started going down this road, I'm like, now it feels like a fantasy. Yeah. Now it feels like I just like gotta go start digging up my backyard and like every now and then I'll hit like a ting and then like I'll, it'll be like that little sound that Mario makes whenever he like jumps up and hits a block. You've got the block. You won the block randomly this time. Hit it with your head and then get to see how many coins are in the block. It's <laughs> wacky. Oh, see that turtle over there? Throw it and see what happens. <laughs> you gotta jump on it first. Don't let it hit you. <laughs> oh man, that's yeah. weird. It is super weird. So essentially, it's just a means of trade done online. And yeah, there's like I said, you need to go check out that guy's YouTube channel. It's 99 Bitcoins. And it's uh, hosted by Nate Martin. He explains stuff so simp- simply. 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 Yeah. Yeah. He does so so nicely. <laughs> <laughs> um, that anybody can understand it. I'm intrigued to go watch those videos, to be honest. I'm, I'm interested to learn more. And like, it's obviously now, at the point it's at now, it's something for the elite. Because if it's, it's $10,000 for one Bitcoin, as you were saying, no one's going to be like, oh, I'm just, I'm gonna, I only have 20 grand, but I'm going to spend 10, get one Bitcoin. It's like, why? Why are you going to get one? What are you going to do well, with t- one? Today, today, that's what it is, right? Because the value of it is so high. Yeah, that's what I mean. When it started up, great, get in there. But at this point, I feel like anybody who doesn't have Bitcoin isn't going to start doing it. Well, in, in the same boat, I'm not sure if this is correct or not, because I didn't. I should have looked it up. But like, I don't know if you can buy like 0.25 of a Bitcoin. Oh. Like, I'm not sure if it works the same as like a dollar, and then there's 5 cents, 10 cents, 25 right. cents, 50. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can buy a portion. Exactly. I don't know if that exists, but um, it could. But even so, it's like, why would I trade my 25 grand for six and a half Bitcoins? If you had $25,000, it wouldn't be irrational for you to take two of it and buy $2,000 worth of Bitcoin. Yeah, but you wouldn't. You'd get like a small little baby bit. Yeah, but then that little baby bit can buy you stuff on the internet. You just find somebody who's willing to accept bitcoin as tender and that's how you do your trade your means of trade But is that more efficient than just keeping your two grand and buying something with your two grand today it's not but that's what they're trying to do they're trying to get people away from the centralized banks and from all these things and to right. put your money into bitcoin so that like your trip to new york so they're treating right? it like a future investment type situation like at some well, point you might be able to buy with the bitcoin you buy today you might be able to buy something you wanted to buy tomorrow with bitcoin that's exactly it. Right. So the hope is, is that tomorrow, whenever tomorrow is, is that you work nine to five, you get paid in Bitcoin, mm. you buy your supper, everything with Bitcoin. They actually have debit cards now for your Bitcoin mm. that are attached to your Bitcoin account. So they have a card and that if you go to somewhere, like let's say Starbucks all of a sudden said, yep, we're accepting Bitcoins. You can go to Starbucks and pay for your Starbucks with your Bitcoin, with your debit card. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like if you like your trip to New York, if you wanted to buy your plane tickets or your hotel or the theater tickets and all of those people were saying, yep, we're accepting Bitcoins. You could buy it with Bitcoin. Hmm. Now, today, it would be the same thing as if you bought it for with real money with like legal tender. Yeah. But eventually they want the system to switch from the centralized banks and the governments to using Bitcoin. Hmm. Interesting. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Well, moving forward to your question this week, Jeff, how do cameras work? Yeah, I don't know. Joe Rogan said it perfectly in one of his podcasts. All I know is that I point my phone, I press the button, and then the picture shows up on the screen. Between the moment I press that button and the moment the picture comes up on my screen is anybody's business. There could be gremlins in there, spray paint in the picture. I don't know. Uh, Who's to say? Who's to say? I, I will get you I did I'm not going into like explaining the computer hardware that makes an iPhone work, but I will get you to the point where you're gonna understand cameras enough to know that computers are doing what I'm going to explain to you in your phone. Yes. I know phones and I know the cameras and all I say is megapixel and I sound fancy. But <laughs> 
the actual operation of how it works yeah goes over my head well i also started on the youtube mm. and i started with this video and it was basically i was like this is gonna be good i can feel it like he was it was basically mm. called like how do cameras work and it was this guy on microsoft paint <laughs> and then he was like so let's start by drawing a camera and he'd be like horizontal line <laughs> vertical line horizontal line and then I guess we'll oh uh, we'll tighten this up a little. And he's just doing it so slow. And then he'd be like, so now let's put a lens in there. Maybe the lens will be, well, let's just say blue. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. So I gave up on that. It was five minutes of my life. I'll never get back. You watched it for five minutes. <laughs> it was, I just thought it was going to, like, I thought maybe he, once he drew the picture. I mean, I was like, maybe he's really good at explaining, just really bad at drawing. So once the drawing portion is over, he'll be like, oh, so here's how cameras work. But that did not happen. <laughs> he was as efficient at everything as he was at drawing. <laughs> so the most basic idea of a camera actually comes from ancient Greece. Mm. I know. We're going back in time. Yeah. Um, it's a box with a small hole in it. A light shines through the hole and hits the back of the box. It's referred to as a pinhole camera. Yeah. That's the most basic camera. Um, it creates an effect that was referred to as camera obscura. Uh, and it was used as early as 1600 BCE. Mm. Oh, sorry, 600 BCE. Um, 1600, that's a long time ago. I mean, 600 BCE is also a very long time ago. <laughs> but yes, 1600 is a thousand more. So essentially, you've got an empty, dark room. Like, no light is getting into that room. You put mm -hmm. a tiny hole in the wall. I'm talking like you take a sharpened pencil and poke it through the drywall. Like okay. tiny, tiny little hole. Um, <laughs> the light shines through the hole, projecting an image from the outside onto the wall upside down. Does that actually happen? Yes. Have you tried it? No, because I, I, but I'm going to explain to you and you can see it. I almost bought you. So camera obscuras, like there's a bunch of them and they like, they're, there's more recent ones that they've made. And you could also buy, there was an ad that popped up for this lens. Like, oh my God, I'm going to buy this for Jeff. You <laughs> attach it for, in this, they had it like they were in a hotel room and they had those like blackout blinds yeah, or, yeah. or curtains. And then they, you put it onto that and it has a little pinhole it goes through. And then whatever is outside of the room will be shone into the room. And so like, if wow. you're, you're sitting and you know, if you're at a resort and put that on your curtains, the curtains are your the room is super dark you put that on there and now all of a sudden the room has like the patio chairs and the pool shine on your wall wow. upside down that's really was, cool yeah so i was like i couldn't grasp that i was like this doesn't make sense why mm. is it projecting yeah so then i found a description of this i found a bunch of them which none of them made sense to me until i found one by leonardo da vinci ah my good friend yes my good friend leonardo it's regarded as the clearest explanation, even though he did it in like 1500. Um, except for some reason, he wrote it in <laughs> mirror writing. Do you know what, oh, mi do you know what mirror writing it's, is? It's just upside down. Uh, backwards. So if you, if you held it up to a mirror, it yes, would, you could it read would, it. Yes. Yes. It's like, why? Who are you trying to hide this from? Do you Who know are you trying mean? to impress? Yeah. Like, uh, just tell us. What do you mean you did it in mirror writing? And also, how hard is that to decrypt? And it's like, Not, oh, well, it depends on how many mirrors they had. I guess. But that's like, what this, what's this word? Oh, right. That's just a backwards Y. Okay, so this whole word's backwards. Anyway, mm. I don't know. But anyway, it took a while, apparently, before people translated it to forward writing and also from Latin. Um, so this is... This <laughs> so is, the issue wasn't the mirror writing, it was the Latin. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. It was backwards Latin. Um, so this is a quote uh from like this is an exact quote from his writing translated from mirror and latin mirror latin we'll call it <laughs> so this is what leonardo says if the facade of a building or a place or a landscape is illuminated by the sun and a small hole is drilled in the wall of a room in a building facing this which is not directly lighted by the sun then all objects illuminated by the sun will send their images through this aperture and will appear upside down on the wall facing the hole. Yes. 
You will catch these pictures on a piece of white paper which placed vertically in the room, not far from the opening, and you will see all the above-mentioned objects on this paper in their natural shapes and colors, but they will appear smaller and upside down on account of crossing of the rays at that aperture. If these pictures originate from a place which is illuminated by the sun, they will appear colored on the paper exactly as they are. The paper should be very thin and must be viewed from the back. So it's like, here are all these stipulations of how to do this, but essentially... If the sun is lighting a building mm-hmm. and there's no light inside where you are, and there's, uh, it basically projects what is being lit through the hole. Okay. Because so, it's, a re- it's a refraction of light. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so if you have... So I think like the classic science experiment when you're like seven years old and you get a shoebox and you put like the piece of paper inside the shoebox and you shine the light, like that thing, into the hole. Is it that kind of thing? I mean, yeah, but in actually, that case, that's more just, shadows. Yeah, you're just doing that. This isn't shadows. You won't see shadows. You will see the buildings, the color that they are, upside down inside the box. Does it? Okay, cool, nice. Yeah, I was like, this is crazy. Um, so that's the very first version of a camera. But one of the main problems with that is you can't record that image. As soon as the sun moves and the light changes, that image is gone, right? Yeah. Um. So in the 1600s, many experiments were done with the earliest versions of film. So a way to now capture this image, rather than just shining it on a piece of paper, staring through it and being like, look, Marjorie, look how nice the building across the street looks upside down. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> now they can, they're trying to find a way to now um, record that image and then presumably flip it back upside down so you can see the image the right way it should be. Um, they found at the time that silver nitrate was photosensitive and therefore could hold on to the image projected through the hole, but it would fade. So they would use like silver nitrate paper or a material made of silver nitrate. How did they figure that out? I guess they just shone light on a bunch of stuff and found that silver nitrate would hold the light. So it would just like the paper would react with the sunlight and it would just like imprint it on it, I guess. Exactly. But it would fade. I mean, maybe it's something to do with the heat as well. I didn't go too deeply into that, but once, once, eventually it would fade. So I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I guess the power of the light faded, like all, <laughs> like all things eventually do. Um, but uh, pretty dark, buddy. But nitrate was actually so useful it continued to be used as film for movies into the 19th century. Oh wow! Um, but one big problem with nitrate, which is why we don't use it anymore, it is incredibly combustible. Yeah. Um, so Casablanca, which I've never seen, but is apparently one of the best movies of all time. Okay. Um, it was filmed on nitrate. And in two, uh, 2017, during a, the TCM Classic Film Festival, they actually showed the movie as originally projected on nitrate. And the director of the festival, his name is Genevieve McGillicuddy. McGillicuddy. <laughs> 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 I laughed out loud. Um, McGillicuddy. McGillicuddy said it was like actually seeing Humphrey Bogart for the first time and Ingrid Bergman never looked better. And they had seen the movie like on DVD or on whatever. Wow. But to see it on the original nitrate, apparently the whites are so clean, the blacks are so dark, and the color just pops. Um, now, it could also be the like, same thing as, you know, when people, like, I love vinyl records and I'm like, oh my God, yeah. it sounds so good. It's like, I know there are scientific evidence being like, this can't sound as good as this because technology, blah, 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 blah. But like... But there's definitely like a... There's a nostalgia you know. factor, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So Kodak stopped making nitrate film in the 1950s because of the amount of devastating fires in movie theaters. I bet. Yep. Uh, Imagine qual- lawsuits. Seriously. Well, I guess they didn't. Have, they couldn't do any at the time, but the quality theaters would often build a firewall between the film and the audience. So if the mm-hmm. film went up, everybody could just get out without dying. Wow. Um, the thing with nitrate film is, and this is what's crazy, once it's burning, it will not stop, even if you pour water on it. What? It'll just keep burning. So once it starts, that's it. It's done. That's what I'm understanding. You know the scene, in, have you seen Inglorious Bastards? Yes. That's what, ha- that's what they do in that movie. They light the nitrate film and burn the whole place to the ground. Wow. And they can't uh, that's actually it. what I was thinking about. Yep. When you were explaining that and how flammable it was, that was the image I was playing in my head. Yep. But it was upside down. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's what happens. I mean, obviously, like, if it catches a movie theater on fire, once the wood is on fire, you can put the wood out with water. But the film itself will not stop burning. So how did they deal with it? 
I guess they or just let, they? they just let it burn They're down. Like, That's it, John. It's going up. Yep, here we go. And maybe it's like like a fat fire or grease fire. Like cover it. If you cover the flame, it doesn't get oxygen anymore. Well, it depends. Well, oxygen is what feeds a lot of fires. But if the fire is being fed by something other than oxygen, I don't think it needs oxygen. Or does it? Well, the time I caught my kitchen on fire, yes, um, and didn't know because I've never cooked anything with like a bunch of grease before. We were trying to make tempura. I yep. didn't know anything about it because I did never do it before. So yes. I tried to put water on it, and the drapes went up in flame. Um, everyone was fine. Don't worry. But yes. um, but yeah, it, in that case, when the fire department came, they were like, yeah, you just need to cover it, man. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. So in that case, water does not help. Water exacerbates the problem. But covering the fire, I think all fires probably need oxygen to some degree to continue raging. Um, so that's film. That was one thing that was missing, obviously. The other missing thing was, um, a lens. Mm -hmm. So what a lens does is it takes the reflected light and bends it so that all the light converges on a single focal point. Okay. So this happens because light moves slower than slower through glass or whatever the lens is made of. It doesn't have to be glass. Um, so when one side of a light ray hits the lens, part of it slows down and the ray bends towards that side. And the example they yep. use um, is if the wheels on one side of a car turn slower than the other side, the car turns towards the slower wheels, which is the okay. same principle here. I was like, that's a good example. Unlike last yeah. week when it was like the earth, let's use the example of a globe instead of using the earth. I'm like, this isn't an example. This is like, <laughs> yes, use something different than I can understand. This makes sense. Yes. Makes so lots of sense. In 1826, Joseph Niepce uh, became the first person to come up with a permanent photo that did not fade. It was done on a piece of pewter with silver nitrate slapped on it. Like, I don't know, painted on it or like dipped. Um, okay. It took like eight paper mache. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, pewter is like a metal, right? So basically they just put silver nitrate on that metal. Uh, it took eight hours to make to take this photo. And you cannot move the camera during that time. Right? But now we're getting somewhere. It's like we've got a photo. It's going to last forever. Unless mm -hmm. somebody catches it on fire and tries to douse it <laughs> in the water. Um, but obviously, we couldn't stop there because who's got time for eight-hour photos? Nobody. Um, I mean, I guess I do now. Because what now do I got do. to do? Yeah. <laughs> obviously, nothing. we're wasting nothing time doing asked. this right now. I may as well be sitting in front of a camera. Yeah, you wasted five minutes watching that useless paint video. Honestly. Um, and I'd also get hungry, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you wouldn't sit there and just wait. You, you would, would have start to. start on. No, Why? You just put it on a stand. Yeah, but if you wanted to be in the photo, you'd have to sit there for it. Oh, hours. if you want to—is that why everyone looked really hungry in the old photos where they all stood there with the pitchforks? Well, they didn't do it at, there. at this time. They didn't actually make any. Also, that's a painting that you're referring to. Nah, it's a picture. The one they all stood the there for eight hours. <laughs> yeah, they just look grumpy and just look hungry. They're just standing there, standing for eight hours. Yeah, I can't remember what that's called, but that's a painting. It's called the uh, Hungry Man. The Hungry Man. Um, but yeah, they didn't actually take pictures of people at this time. Because obviously no one was doing this for eight hours. When mm -hmm. Nibs died, he left all of his papers to his buddy Daguerre. His Nibs died? Yep. His Nibs. His Nibs. <laughs> um, so just six years later, Daguerre made his first Daguerreotype, is what he called it. Ooh. The photo was of a city in southern France. And there's a guy in the photo with his foot up on something, getting his shoe shined. Uh, and even though people were walking by constantly during the minutes that this photo was taken, he's the only person who showed up in the photo because he stood there for the entire length of the photo. And how long was it? It was about six minutes. Um, he was the first photographed human that we know of. Wow. We don't know who he is. He's like, you can look up the picture. It's like a picture of a city and like buildings and stuff, like a lovely street. And he's like, I don't know, ages away. <laughs> um. So then in the 1850s, roving photographers were these guys who went around in mobile photo studios. Um, everyone, everything you needed was just in this big old wagon. Like you just had like a big cart dragged by a horse. Mm -hmm. And you'd Amazing. be like, come into my photo studio. Um, <laughs> so, and like you had, really you had everything in there. You had, <laughs> it does sound real creepy. Yeah. But um, hey, if you want to get your picture taken, kid, <laughs> come on over. Everything's <laughs> in the back of the cart. Don't mind the horse. You sound like... Um, What's her name from Monsters, Inc.? Mike Wazowski. <laughs> yeah. Um, so people photographed early on were the Russian Tsar and his wife, and also mm. Abe Lincoln. 
Wow. Uh, they would have this piece. It was like it looked sort of like a mic stand with like a few tongs sticking off of it, and it would go behind you and attached to your head it was sort of like you know those wire head massagers that you can get they're like really weird and like you might put yeah, in like yeah, a stocking yeah, yeah, yeah. they sort of look like that attached to a mic stand and it would hold your head in place so that you didn't move during the couple of minutes it took for the photo to be taken oh wow yep but you couldn't see it because it was behind you in the photo yeah, yeah um in 1888 the kodak camera came out with a slogan you press the button we do the rest Ooh. I know. So they had a dry plate camera because before you were when they were going around in these wagons, it was like the wet stuff where you have to hold up the film and you have to let it dry and blah, 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 blah. They have a dry plate. They would send the camera to people if you ordered it. It would have 100 photos in it. You send the camera back to Kodak and they would process it and send you your photos back. So that's literally where my question came from is Kodak's hilarious marketing. Yeah. You press the button. We'll do the rest. Yep. That's what they do. And you... leave stupid Jeff behind. Absolutely. Um, so that happened for ages. That was the thing. Then in 1924, the 35-millimeter camera came out, which revolutionized photography. People still use 35-millimeter cameras. Sorry, what year? 1924. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, before this, camera was so, cameras were so big and heavy, you couldn't like take them out. And like For example, they took a picture of, there's a picture during World War II of troops running on the beach on D-Day. Yep. I don't know how they got this film, because from what I remember in history, that didn't go so well. No. But, um, and there's a photo of like the bias running, and the person who took it was also just like running behind them with a camera. That wouldn't have been possible with any previous camera, because you couldn't just like put it behind your neck and start giving her. No. <laughs> um, in 1957, the first digital image was created. Here we go. Now we're getting into <laughs> the crazy stuff. The crazy stuff. In 1985, autofocus was created making cameras more accessible to the average person. Mm -hmm. In 2004, Kodak stopped making film cameras altogether. They started going only digital. Wow. So the question being, how do we get from light shining through a hole in a wall to being yep. able to take a picture on our iPhone? Mm -hmm. And it actually comes down to the same basic principles. There is an object with light shining on it. There is a space for the light to shine through. There is a surface for the hole to project the light onto. So we've yes. taken that basic principle and made it, made it permanent and customizable. So the aperture of a camera, which is just the small hole in the wall, yep. Um, now we can change the size of that, right, on our on modern cameras or on our iPhones, or whatever, um, yeah, to yeah. regulate how much light is allowed onto the lens. And then the okay. shutter regulates for how long that light is allowed to touch the film. Okay, so like, yep, that will imprint the picture oh yeah that makes all the sense yeah, yep. yeah, yeah yeah and we can change where the focal point falls in our image so on the back wall like before they were always trying to make the focal point that middle point now we can mm -hmm. change where the focal point falls in our image depending on the curvature of the lens and how far away the object is so when you twist like those old cameras where you twist the yeah yeah not yeah, even yeah. old there's modern ones the same way yes when you twist, twist the, the focus lens. or you tap your iphone screen and get that little yellow thing that refocuses it yep what you're doing is moving the lens and the focal point closer or further away from the film, film in quotation marks, yep. so you can focus on objects different distances away. Oh, wow. So you don't, there's no film in your camera, but there is, no. some, there is some small version of that back wall that imprints yep. the photo, and now, through computer technology, can process that photo through whatever. Yes. Um, so much of the art of photography is just finding the right balance between shutter speed and aperture size to perfectly capture the subject. So autofocus, auto when that came out, that took care of that to a degree. You didn't have to manually do this. No. Um, but there's, it's still the reason that professional photographers haven't been eradicated completely because there's yes. still art in being able to do that. Like sometimes when I'm taking a photo, I'm like, man, why is this a little bit blurry? And even though I'm taking it with my iPhone, because I know nothing about, well, now I do, about shutter speed and aperture and trying to make sure your focal point is correct. Um, mm -hmm. even with autofocus, it doesn't always work the way you want it to. And it's why photographers no. will still get a better image because they understand this, these concepts. Absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely a science to it yeah. for sure. And an art. To yeah, understand. Was, exactly. Yeah. An art. So that's it more or less. I, I mean, I kind of only scratched the surface surface. Um, and I did glaze over a bit, but it's, it was so vast. So I tried to streamline it. So like, if you were on like, who wants to be a millionaire and you got a question on cameras, <laughs> you'd be able to, if not get the question right, then call a friend and I'd be able to tell you the answer. <laughs> or I'd call you and you'd quickly consult the guy for the five-minute paint video and we'd both still get it wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so I guess in phones and cameras and stuff like that, 
Like, is the picture always going to be upside down? And then what they do is when they're printing it or producing it or whatever, they just flip it right side up? Or is it mirrors so that when it when the image gets refracted and put up upside down, then there's like a mirror or something else that takes that and puts it right side up so you can see it right side up? Yes, I believe so. But I, I believe every instance of that refraction is always going to be upside down. Yes. And now... Yeah, like the the very quick step 1.5 is flip that image back again. Exactly. And that yeah. they just did it with, with a mirror, I guess. Yeah, I would just assume put so. put it right side up. And yeah. then, or or uh, something, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever would make it go right side up. And then just point that at the aperture. Just stay- like three. Yeah, just stand on your head. I think that's the solution. <laughs> just take the picture upside down so it goes right side up. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that's yeah. really cool. Yep. That's really interesting. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting too. Yeah. Yep. My God, we're some smart. I mean, we're working on it. We definitely are. We are bettering ourselves week by week by week. Week by week. And that's kind of the central conceit of this podcast is that we're both idiots and we're just trying to find our way in the world. That is that is now our new outro slogan. <laughs> find our way in the world. Um, so that's it for this episode. We want to do a, another quick little shout out because we're, we're still getting off the ground. So in case you skipped episode one, you're like, I know what those two things are. Um, then you didn't know that Kyle McDavid does our artwork and our graphics. He, um, has gotten a lot of accolades over the last, well, we launched what two, we launched on social media a couple days ago, two days ago. And, uh, so yeah, people are really excited about the graphics and they are all Kyle from, from, um, creation to, um, uh, the thing where you make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a podcast on the moment Kyle gets the idea from us till the moment it actually shows up on our Facebook page. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, so thank you to him. Thank you to Brothers for Life. Um, they have created Woo-hoo. our theme song. You got some splaining. I know you can't help but dance, can you? You can't. You can't. You cannot. Um, yeah. So thank you to them. Absolutely. Um, so as you probably know by now, or I hope you do, we have launched our social media. We have our Facebook page. We have an Instagram page. And we have our Twitter put up as well. Uh, please follow us at The Splaincast. Uh, at T-H-E-S-P-L-A-I-N. Cast. C-A-S-T. <laughs> don't know if you need to smell the. But, uh, I mean, uh, thorough. They're very thorough. We also have an email. It's info.splainin at gmail.com. If you have a topic you would like explained by Jeff or I for some ungodly reason, uh, we are happy to do that. That's about it. That's all she wrote, man. Episode two. Episode two, down the drain. Down the drain. Down the drain? Has, a, has a negative connotation. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I think, <laughs> I, I, think what I said is what I meant. Down the drain, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's right. All right, well, uh, stay classy, everybody. All right, guys, take care. So